taking a nap. All right, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to... That's always the most obtuse segue, isn't it? Okay, now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And we are picking up our study, and we start in chapter 5, verse 11. Picking up our study today, chapter 5, verse 11. And this is God's Word. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, not long after I started working at Grace Evangelical Church, I was 34 when I got hired. And uh, so, you know, I, I didn't just pop out of college and go into the church world. I was out in your world for quite a while. And uh, I remember uh, being called into Dr. Young's office over something very early on. And uh, he was on his side of the desk and I was on the other side of the desk. And he said to me, you don't know how to change a diaper very well. And, uh, and I was like, shove it a what? Um, but indeed, that was, that was good advice, a good comment. Uh, he was right. I did not know how to change a diaper very well. And what I didn't really know about the ministry is that a great portion of the ministry is diaper changing. Uh, it's, it's a part of what we do. Um, along with teaching and praying and studying and uh, coming alongside people and being at the deathbed and holding newborn babies and stuff like that. And of course, in my case too, uh, arranging songs, uh, rallying a team of musicians, writing things and uh, upgrading technologies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, along with all those things, diaper changing is a very big part of ministry life. And I think elders will agree with that too. You get into the eldership, you're like, I'm so humble to serve. Oh, what does the Lord have in store for me? What, an, what, a, what a humbling uh, a privilege it is to serve God's people. And you realize you're in the diaper business. Uh, fairly quickly. Um, and listen, I'm not saying that it's a horrible thing at all. I th I'm saying it's ministry life. Basically, diaper changing uh, is coming alongside people in their lives and saying, how can we apply God's word to your situation? That's basically what diaper changing is. All right, but I want to say this. Um, changing a Christian baby's diaper is less unpleasant than changing a Christian adult diaper. I think that's a pretty easy principle to, to understand, isn't it? Changing a baby diaper is uh, not as, it's not awesome, but it's not as bad as changing an adult diaper. And um, let me, let me phrase that a little bit more clearly. New Christians are navigating a new life, a new life in the Lord, a new set of vocabulary, uh, new profound gospel truths, new thoughts about God. They're navigating a new life, these baby Christians, and changing their diaper maybe happens a little bit more regularly, but you're applying God's truth, applying God's truth, and so on. Um, new Christians are kind of, they're, they're in that edge of the seat mode, that edge of the chair. Um, when, when someone's preaching, they're, they're going, lay it on me. I want to hear it. 
um, when, when worship is happening, they want to be there. Um, they rejoice in uh, God's word. They, they have an often voracious appetite for God's word. They want to hear God's word preached and sung uh, and so on. They want to um, pray God's word back to him. I mean, there's this, this liveliness that comes with new Christians. And so diaper changing is a, a part of their existence, but th- their focus is so much on God's word, all right? What makes adult diaper changing unpleasant, I think, as I've been studying this, is the lack of focus and awareness of this word. Um, adult diaper changing, it's ugly. Um, I'm, I'm suggesting, and I think the, the writer of Hebrews is suggesting too, um, because people become dull of hearing. Yeah, that's right from verse 11. Um, about this, we have much to say. <clears throat> it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And by the way, if you want a very early application, we'll talk about it more in a second, but early application, you have become dull of hearing. That means we can become dull. Uh, That's a warning, and that's in keeping with the writer of Hebrews uh, uh, this entire time. So if you want to know what the main idea that I'd like to focus on today is, it is this. You get the God you want through the application of his word. That's how you get him. That's how you know him. That's how you know what he wants, through his word, through his word, through his word. All right, let's go to the first point, which is this. There's a big difference between childlike and childish. Uh, let's look at verse 11 together. Um, the writer says this, about this we have much to say. Now, uh, what, what is he saying there about this we have much to say? Well, he's, he's continuing his thought. Um, remember, he was talking about the superiority of Jesus Christ, his priesthood, um, his his. his um, uh, final and full priesthood. He's the only one we need. Um, he's talking about his, uh, that he's superior even to this guy Melchizedek, which, which pops up again in chapter 7 and really actually chapter 6 verse 13 pulls us into it by talking about Abraham. So he's going to pick up the theme again. So he's, he's steaming along. He's talking about his theme. He's going to pick it up again in just about 15 verses or so. But all of a sudden he goes and steps on the brakes and he's like, you know what? It's almost like he's going, you knuckleheads. (laughs) It's almost like he's going, you know, I've got this other thing that I've been needing to tell you anyway, and I might as well put it in here now because this is very, I'm not even sure that you can grasp this. I mean, you can almost sense a little bit of exasperation on the part of the writer who is ultimately the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's like, there's this other thing I got to tell you, you impressionable dopes. Um, Maybe he's thinking, no wonder you're downcast and a a tested church, Uh, not to make light of of very real and fierce persecution. But I think he's looking at these people going, ay, 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 I got to tell you something. Um, Look at verse uh, 11 and 12. Look at the, the clarity and force with which he's speaking. He is not shy at all. About this stuff we've been talking about, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Um, Paraphrase, you dummies. (laughs) But let's take a careful look at it together. So, um, he's uh, been referring to uh, words written about Jesus Christ, designated by God as the singular high priest, right? And he launches into another issue that he's going to discuss out here. But like I said, he says, you've become dull of hearing. Now, that they could become dull of hearing 
means what? Um, it, it must mean what? It must mean that at some point they were not dull. If they become dull, they weren't dull before. They were sharp before. So that's a good warning for us, isn't it? That, that the Holy Spirit of God would see fit to include this in the scriptures, that we would be convicted by it too. It's apparently a real, um, a real challenge for Christians. Well, here's the difference between childish and childlike, right? Dull and sharp, childish and childlike. Um, I'm gonna flip real quick, you don't have to, but um, you know, I'm gonna quote Jesus here. Um, he says, um, yeah, uh, the disciples are going, oh, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, Jesus, who's the greatest? This is Matthew 18. And uh, Jesus calling to himself a child. He says, hey, hey, little kid, come over here. See this kid? Everyone's looking at him. See this little child? Hey, Jesus, hey. Um, it, it, he says, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such as, and so on. But what is he saying there? He's saying, and that, that's, where, that's where we get this childlike faith statement. It is good to have a childlike faith. I mean, what is Jesus' point? You know, the disciples are like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Ooh, who's the man? Who's going to get the promotion when you're... Jesus is saying, come like a child. Come like a child to this God. and Come like a child and you say, you know what? You give me everything. You know what? You make me safe. You know what? You give me shelter. You give me comfort. You gave me my name. I don't have anything in my possession that you didn't give me. Um, I am very sharp. I am very alert to my need for you. That's how a child comes to a parent. You know, they instinctively in the Kroger parking lot reach out and go, you know, leave me alone, leave me alone. No, no, no. But when the, when the cars are whizzing by... They want the hand. That's how a child comes. That's what Jesus is saying. That's childlike. That's a good thing, a childlike faith. That's Jesus' point. A childish faith is just a big, stinky adult diaper. A childish faith is immature. And you know, there's, there's hardly a greater insult if you're in high school than somebody's telling you, you're so immature. Immature is not a compliment. It's a gross, it's a, it's a, it's a gross criticism. Um, and that's what he's saying is that we can become um, dull and um, immature. The difference between sharp and dull, I think, is a person realizing that their whole life comes under the authority of this book. Not just in principle, but in reality. How do I apply this book to my life, to this situation, to what I'm going through? I think that's the big difference. And you want an ap application for your life. Um, guys, we... Um, we think things and then we feel them, right? We think them first and then we feel things. We don't feel things and then think. We think, then feel. And what I'm saying to you is if you want Christian maturity and if you want devotion to God, if you want to be uh, someone who understands what God desires for you, um, then don't neglect what is essential to your life, which is putting this book in the very center, um, you know, in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, it says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There are means of being sharp. There are ways of becoming sharp. Um, one means is the word of God, says the writer of Hebrews. Another means is very clearly the fellowship of the saints. Uh, do not neglect those things, y'all. 
It's what keeps us sharp. If you feel yourself floating to the fringe, if you feel yourself resisting the gathering of God's people, that's not a position of health. It never is. It's a position of uh, lack of accountability. It's wanting to move to the, to the outskirts. Don't let yourself do that, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a treacherous world out there. It's, we're safe in the Lord Jesus, and it's a treacherous world, and uh, we need to be focused on this book. These are means um, of grace to bring us to God himself. And by the way, um, if you're bored with God's word, guess what else? You're bored with God personally. Don't let yourself be that way. Um, all right, next point. Um, it always comes back to what God has said. Uh, that, that in itself is an application, and it's right from the passage here. If you look at verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Um, Oh, yeah, read on ahead. Uh, You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's talking about God's word, God's word, God's word. It always comes back to God's word. Your health always comes back to God's word. It always does. And you know, when he says the oracles of God, that's a very Jewishy way. It's Jewish way of of, uh, speaking. Those original readers would go, ah, the oracles of God. We know what that is. Oracles of God, it's, it's God speaking to us through his mouthpieces. Uh, for them, the, the prophets. For, for them and us, the ultimate prophet, the Lord Jesus. Um, the oracles of God are the utterances of deity burdened to the prophets. That's what, that's what they are. And the first readers knew exactly what that, that meant, and they had a, a habit of uh, uh, apparently becoming... Um, taking God's word lightly or ignoring it, and um, they weren't students of it. Um, They weren't familiar with it. They weren't keeping it in the center of their family's lives. And that's a good takeaway for us. It says in verse 13, um, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Well, you guess what that means for the Christian? Unskilled at living Unskilled at living, at, unskilled at living the way God wants you to live. Unskilled because of a failure to focus on the oracles of God. Um, and look at the criticism too. I mean, this, this whole, uh, I think we have a very sanitized view of this. A lot of us have heard this our whole lives. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled and so on. Uh, solid food is for the mature. And we read that and we go, oh yes, milk, solid food. I understand that. <laughs> uh, but think about it in, in their context a little bit. When we say milk, not solid food, it's not talking about a glass of milk on the counter, ice cold with a cookie. It's not talking about a little, a little dish for the kitty cat to lap up. It's not talking about a, a bottle full of baby formula that you got at the Walmart. It's talking about, it's talking about in farm terms. Can, is, is, is tea a swear word? I don't think it is. Is it? Okay, that's basically what he's saying. In farm terms, he's like, you little piglets, you got to go back to the teat. That's how, that's how off you guys are, all the way back to babiness. And I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's uh, an intentionally, we read it and we go, oh, milk, solid food, oh. We think of it in a sanitized way. It's a clunk on the head, man. He's going, you're an adult and you got, you, you're an adult. Can you imagine an adult in that situation? Bleh, that's what you are. 
That's pretty stout, isn't it? That's a pastor who loves his flock, apparently, and is, uh, is willing to say the hard things. Um, all right, so application for you. Not taking God's word seriously. Let me flip it around. Taking God's word lightly. It always starts with that. I mean, at the, at the, at the outset of sin, the question was, hath God said? Everything put to you in this life, it challenges this book. What does God's word say about this? What does God's word say about this? Hath God said, hath God said, hath God said. This is your whole life, ladies and gentlemen. This is everything. You're, this is, the, this is the, the hub of it all, what God has said. And as soon as you stop taking that with, with fear, a good, godly, healthy fear, God's word, as soon as you stop fearing it, as soon as you become familiar with it, as soon as you have a cavalier attitude toward it, you're in danger, man. Because everything else starts to unravel. Um, you have, um, you know, it says in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Friends, what do we know about God except what he has communicated to us? What do we know except what he has said? He, he has shown himself to us generally by what he has made. I mean, you look at this big, beautiful, awesome world and you go, okay. There's, a, there's architectural fingerprints all over it, says the Christian who can see. But friends, um, how has he specially, specifically, purposefully revealed himself to us? In his word. Not by your hunches. Not by some speaker on some movement or some retreat or, or discipleship program. It's through his word. That's how he communicates. How do you know that God is love? He says so in his word. How do you know that he's got all the power and then just didn't have some power enough to make an ocean? Because he says so in his word. How do you articulate the gospel? Because it's articulated in his word. How do you know the doctrine of the Trinity? By the word, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible. Why do you believe it? Because the Bible teaches it very clearly, front to back, even in the Old Testament. It's back to his word, back to his word. As soon as you take a light attitude about his word, as soon as you're not guarding it fiercely, you're, you're in danger of being pulled into weird and, and unhealthy places, places that can pull you theologically into weird stuff for, for years and years and years. You know, um, what makes people immature babies and, and how it shows up in their lives is that they don't even know the basic principles of faith. That's what, the, that's what the writer of Hebrews says. You don't even know the basic principles of the, the oracles of God. You're not skilled at living. Um, you know, you want to know what ministers talk about? You know, I, I, we're, in a, we're in a church with a lot, a city with a lot of churches. And so there's a lot of interconnectedness stuff going on. I mean, I talked to, I talked to two senior pastors in, in the last three weeks, just in Memphis, just, there's a, so much interconnectedness of people and churches and, and, you know, there are people in this church that have come from other churches and, and so on and different theological schools and so on. But, you know, in our, in our world, in Dr. Young's world, in our, the way our church thinks, we tend to very highly regard independent prayers. We feel a kindred spirit with them. We feel a kindred spirit with grace, uh, with, with the other one. What's our cousin church? First of Anne, um, second Prez. I mean, we really just feel a, a really warm connection with those places and all that. But man, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking people at, at independent or anywhere else, but let me tell you, we tend to, if somebody goes, well, yes, we go to independent prayers. We tend to think, oh, well, you're probably a theological expert. Oh, you're an independent? Ooh, look at you. Oh, I bet you're really deep thinkers over there. Yeah, you know what? They don't know anything. Second prayers? Oh, Sandy Wilson, he's a genius. Oh, he's so wonderful. I bet they're so culturally, theologically aware. They don't know anything. It's astonishing how many Christians don't know anything. There's a surface level, Jesus is my savior and, and, and nothing goes deeper. I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of heartfelt, deep thinking, Bible studying people at, at churches everywhere. But I guess, I guess it's, it's amplified for, for me because we tend to, oh, well, they're reformed and they're, and then we t- tend to think that they're all like super duper adroit over there. They ain't, man. Um, we're all in the same situation. You know what we need? The oracles of God. You know what we want to be? Skilled at living. This is how you get skilled at living. Um, peruse. That means look very closely, by the way, um, at what God's word says. Um, your life needs to revolve around it. Your, your family, your family schedule. It all needs to revolve around the truth in God's word. All right, last point, the definition of maturity. If you look at verse uh, 14, um, by the way, this could have easily been pulled into verse 3 of chapter 6, but there just wasn't time. We're going to include it next week. But um, verse 14, it says, but solid food is for the mature. That makes sense, right? You don't give a chicken nugget to a baby. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, that's not a you're an awesome Christian. Look how valuable you are because you try so hard. It's not, that's not it at all. It is simply saying that the mature are digging into God's word. It's central to their lives. Whenever the doors are flung open and there's a preacher standing up there, they want to hear it. They want to receive it. They want to sing it. They want to share it. They want to talk about it. They want to dialogue. They want to be with other Christians. It's a focus of their lives. And they don't let that go. They don't let that priority slip. It's the main thing. Um, they have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What God wants, what God doesn't want, what is the way to live? Um, turn, if you would, uh, left, just a, not much, Ephesians, about, uh, I don't know, 20 pages to the left. Ephesians chapter 4. And... Uh, Verse 14, or somewhere in there. Let's uh, back it up a little bit. He's, he's in the middle of a big, long sentence. But um, all right, let's say, let's go to verse 11. Che- uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. Um, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, all right? So you get that, by the way. Um, it, it's, uh, equipping, the, equipping the church isn't uh, one, of the, one of the offices. It's, it's, those offices are designed to equip the church. I don't want to get you off track, but the, the pastor's design is to equip you, is the point, all right? For building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see that maturity is hot on Paul's mind here. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, and so on. Um, How do you train up yourself? How do you develop powers of discernment? What what kind of personal accountability? Um, You know, this danger, this being tossed back and forth and falling for schemes, I mean, you see that it, this is a danger. This is, a, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. Uh, this is a danger for us that we, would, that we would fail to discern, that we would become dull, and that we would start falling for things. Um, you know, I, 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 I've said this before. It's, it's kind of a gross line, but uh, movements that, that pop up. Uh, in the church. I mean, hey, let's go here and go to these, this place and hear all these speakers. Oh, great. Who am I going to, my first thought is, who am I going to be trapped to have to listen to? That's my first thought. Anytime there's something I have to go to, how am I going to be trapped? What are they going to stick in front of me? And you know, I don't want to horribly knock promise keepers, but I mean, I just remember one Yahoo after another, after another. And, um, you know, would anybody go to the thing in Atlanta and that Hispanic, uh, famous Hispanic preacher up there and he's doing, I'm a fool for Jesus, I'm a fool for Jesus, I'm a fool for Jesus, I'm a fool for Jesus. Okay, great, you're a fool for Jesus. You're a, you got the fool part right, it, it looks like. If that's your only message uh, for 45 minutes, uh, okay. But my point is, ladies and gentlemen, people crave the next program and they crave the next system and they crave the next five steps. They crave this program and this program and this system and this, and this is what you've been waiting for. And finally, we have the technology and computers and online resources, and we could bring you to this place with this new awesome resource. And I'm just telling you, this is the gross line. I can smell a movement and uh, I can smell it a hundred miles away. And I'm not saying that discipleship programs aren't good. I'm not saying that conferences aren't good. We've gone to, Tammy and I have gone to a Ligonier conference in Florida together, and I've been to pastor's conferences, and uh, I've been things that, you know, Second Pres has this good teaching series that they'll put on. They'll get a really big dog, and they'll invite Memphis pastors to this lunch thing. It's well worth it. But uh, my point is, ladies and gentlemen, it all needs to bring us back to this. This is what you want. But it's, you know, it's easy to be lazy and go, well, yeah, but I really want this program because that looks exciting and I think that'll meet my needs and it seems relevant and you know, kind of exciting and bring it, make it more personal. Nothing's more personal than this. Nothing. All right. Um, last thing on this before we wrap it up. Um, what does it mean to distinguish good from evil? Um, mature, they have powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What is that? Want to know what it is? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119. That's what that is. How can I distinguish good from evil? How can I obey? Store up his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. That's his own word instructing. All right, last thing, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 7, and this will bring us on home. Matthew chapter 7, and um, I'm going to read one part first and then go back to another part. Uh, Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You want to know what Jesus says about all this stuff? Jesus' own words. 
And by the way, this is the end of his, I love this. This is the end of his Sermon on the Mount. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous, the, 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 the most quoted, written about three chapters in the Bible. This is Jesus' sermon. And this is how he closes the whole thing. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Zip. <laughs> That's the end of a sermon. There's no like little closer, some little video. Oh, by the way, this was in, uh, you know, Whiplash. I want to show it to you, you know. Nothing like that. He just, boom, boom, great was the fall of it, bang. That's so, he ends on a warning. You know, he, he, uh, he beseeches people to heed his word and to build on a solid rock, but there's a warning in it too, all right? Here's what prefaces that. This is verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do you know that, ladies and gentlemen? That's how you know it. And uh, I may have told you this a few years ago, and I may tell you again uh, this summer because I'm going to use this, I think, on the senior high trip when I teach on it. But Years and years and years ago at a, on a Florida trip down in Gulf Shores at, at that dumpy pink joint, um, I, taught, I t- taught on a senior high trip. And um, a parent dropped a child off to, on this trip, you know, uh, b- b- prior to the trip. And, um, and uh, she goes, What are you teaching on on this trip? And I said, uh, Oh, Matthew, okay, I, I need to preface the story by saying that there, was, there had been some family destruction. Uh, in their lives, and she was the cause of it, all right? So she goes, what are you, te- what are you teaching our, our kids on this trip? And I said, oh, Matthew 7, I did this. I said, oh, Ma-, I didn't do the Bill Clinton finger. I, I just said, oh, Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And she goes, don't you point that thing at me. <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it. You know, folks, um, I'm pointing it at you. Not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a, that's a warning by the Savior himself. Oh, well, I've done this and I've done this and I've tried so hard. Yep, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I've done all this important church work and I've given all this money and all of my time and I've just been trying to be sincere as I can be and be a good father, be a good father, love my family. I've tried to do that and provide, try to provide, try to keep a more organized home. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So what are we supposed to do? Not be babies. We're supposed to build on the rock, not the sand, the rock. We're, we're not to follow after this thing or that thing tossed back and forth like infants to and fro, chasing after this next remedy. This is it. It's, discipleship is great. Go be in Bible studies uh, go be involved in things. Go get disciples. Go hear good speakers. Go, go for it. It's good. But man, it better be Bible-focused. Everything better be, everything better be brought back to this. Go hear a preacher. 
If you don't, if you don't continually put, make your eyes fall on this thing, then, then get out. Um, build upon the rock. Be sharp. Be satisfied with the means that God has provided. His oracles. Let's pray. Our Father, um, I'm the biggest hypocrite in this whole room. Um, I love your word. I have instructed your people. And uh, yet I like to think that I've got things under control. And uh, I like to think that I can reason my way through situations and um, finesse things. And, and uh, I need to be childlike. We all do, Lord. Help us be childlike. Help us rely upon you and look up to you as a child does to a parent uh, saying, teach me. Give me the words that you want me to have. Give me the things that you desire for my good. Help us be like that, Lord. Um, help, us, help us be challenged by this as we move into life, but help us be comforted by it too. You're a personal God. You've given us your personal word, and uh, we can know it through a personal Savior and a, a spirit who lives in us um, personally. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys.